Um, we're in a series uh, just talking about the mission and vision of Remedy. And so um, with that, uh, one of the things that we believe is at the heart of uh, the local church is worship. And so they thought it would be a good idea if I talked about worship this morning. Um, so we are going to do a couple things. Uh, before we do, um, you may have seen my thumb. If not, you probably would have caught it like halfway through the sermon and then been totally distracted by why this was going on. And so I'm just going to get it out of the way right here at the beginning. I cut my finger on glass and it hurt really bad. <laughs> so now you know. <laughs> and if you want the story, you can ask me about it later. Um, so yeah, but that's why this little, I have a permanent thumbs up. So that's awesome. So I'll be encouraging you guys a lot with thumbs up this morning. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, we're going to do a couple things this morning. Um, the first is I just want to cast a little bit of vision for, um, for worship in some different areas of our lives. Um, so we'll do that first, and then we're going to get into a text that talks about how, how we do that in each of those areas of our lives. So um, we'll talk about these four areas briefly, and then the text and the passage and scripture and everything this morning is going to inform those four areas and is going to help us accomplish worship in those four areas. So, is that cool with everybody? Awesome. Uh, so so there's, there's really four areas in, in Remedy um, where my heart, Jack's, and Fudd's hearts are for us to grow in worship, and they are personal worship, uh, family worship, community group worship, and corporate worship. Personal worship, family worship, community group worship, and corporate worship. Personal worship is that lifestyle worship. Um, our hope is that we would begin to grow more deeply in a day-to-day, every moment, um, thinking of, loving on God, worshiping. My heart is that you would worship uh, when you uh, brush your teeth, that you would worship when you drive to work, that you would worship when you're at work, that you would worship when you watch football, that you would worship when you go to the mall, that you would worship when you play video games, and that you would worship when uh, you read your Bible and when you pray. And you're like, how do I worship when I'm watching football? Um, <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, and yeah, so, so that's personal worship. So my hope is that you would worship in every single moment of your day, that you would um, love on God, thank Him, um, just be enamored with Him in every moment of your day, no matter what it is that you're doing. Um, so that's the first one, personal worship. We sing a song here at Remedy called Christ Be All Around Me, and it says, your life, your death, your blood was shed for every moment. Uh, and Christ's blood covers every moment of our day, and so even if, even if we didn't get anything else except that, that would, be a, that would be a reason to praise Him in every moment, right? So personal worship, um, our heart is that you would seek after that, um, that we would, as a church, grow into that more. So personal worship. Second one is family worship. Family worship is something that I personally uh, really struggle with, that I have, that I have a hard time um, like putting into action in my household. And family worship is basically just this, that husbands, that you would, and fathers, that you would just be the spiritual head of your household and that you would carve out intentional time where you worship with your family, where you take hold of the spiritual responsibility for your loved ones that are your immediate family and that you would shepherd them and um, lead them in worship. And my heart is that each parent would be the, the worship leaders for their children. Um, and it's, it's a hard thing to do with, with life. You, you get into a flow of how you do things when you're at home or you just want to veg when you're at home or, you know, you don't want to deal with a lot. Um, but my hope is that, that we would be challenged this morning as we talk about ways that we're going to be able to do this, um, that, we would, that we would grow in family worship too. Man, I struggle with family worship. I'm, I'm right there with you for, for you guys that are like, man, I haven't done that. Dang. 
<laughs> I'm right there with you. And I'm hoping to have some resources for us on all four of these areas really soon and where we can grow and how we can get better at them. Um, and so, so those will be coming soon. Um, so that's the way personal worship. And personal worship flows into family worship and vice versa. So those, um, and really all of these kind of intermingle on some level. Um, so then the next, the next one is community group worship. Um, my heart, and we, we've talked about uh, this a lot. I've talked with Matt, our community group leader, um, about this a whole lot. Um, we desire that in your community groups here at Remini, that you would be worshiping God um, together as, as a community group, that you would spend some time singing to Him um, at community group, not every week, but um, frequently, that you would gather together as a community group and sing to Him and worship Him. Because there's things that go on in your community group that maybe the whole church doesn't know about that are cause for you to need to either trust God more deeply or praise Him and thank Him for. And so our, our heart is that, that you would be able to do that in the context of your community group. What's really, really awesome right now at Remedy is that for as many community groups as we have, I think we're at, are we at seven, Matt? Sorry, six. So we're at six community groups. <laughs> and um, we have six community groups right now. And we actually have the capability for there to be a uh, facilitator of worship in every single community group that there currently is. There is someone able in every community group to lead worship. God has blessed us with some awesome, awesome talent here at Remedy. And, and in, in literally every community group right now, some community groups, we have a couple different people that could, that could facilitate a time of worship. And that is, that's just such a blessing. And I think that is just a, a message from God saying, hey, I want you to sing when you're gathered as a community group. <laughs> that, he puts, that he put people that, that love it and care about it. Um, and that can do it in each, in each community group we have. For as, for as uh, the size of church we are, that's kind of unheard of. So it's pretty awesome. Um, so be looking for at your community groups some times of worship um, coming up soon. Your community group leaders know about this. And um, we're all excited to be jumping into that. Um, if you get to community group and it's been like three or four weeks and you haven't done any worship yet, bug your community group leader and be like, what the heck, man? I want to do some worship. Come on, let's do it. And they will oblige you, most likely. They should. They know that we're talking about this this morning, so it's coming regardless. Um, <laughs> so, so community group worship. And then, um, so we have personal worship, family worship, community group worship, and then uh, lastly, corporate worship. Um, my heart is that, uh, and I, I know it's God's heart too, is just that we would grow more deeply um, into a church that seeks after and pursues God here on Sunday mornings when we're gathering together, that we would be a people that would become more unified in here on Sunday mornings, that we would become a people that um, would be more free to express worship to God because of what He's done for us, that we would, um, that we would uh, become more bold, and that we would become more celebratory, that we would become more thankful everything that God has done for us um, and that, that this corporate time of worship that we have every week would grow into something that you look so forward to every week, that you expect every week, that um, you find yourself growing more and more and personally I think it's, it's already pretty awesome um, <laughs> but, uh, but as we grow closer to Christ as a body um, my my hope and my heart is that we would, we would keep running after making this time um, a more free and a more unifying experience for everyone and, um, as believers. And that is, uh, um, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. I'm not talking about like us going crazy and stuff, <laughs> but just but becoming a people that are, um, that really just when we get in here together as a whole church, that we just like run after God and just really, really, really pursue Him on Sunday mornings more than just kind of showing up every weekend and listening to the sermon and going home. So those are the four areas, personal worship, family worship, corporate, uh, community group worship, and corporate worship. 
And you'll see as you start to pursue all four of these, um, there's fruit from each one that helps all the others. And so as you pursue all of them, you're going to find yourself growing in all of them. So that's the four areas that we would hope that you'll be able to grow in. And now we're just going to turn to a text of Scripture and we're going to walk through, okay, how do we do that in all four of these areas? How, how, do, I worship, how do I worship God personally in my family in community group, and in corporate worship. And we're going to be in First Chronicles um, 16. First Chronicles 16. So if you uh, have a Bible, you can turn there. There's some under the chairs if you don't have one. I would encourage everybody to, to grab one if you don't have one and, uh, and turn there, open it up. Let's actually read the words together um, as, as we get started. I mean, I'm going to read, but I, I want you guys to read with me. We're not going to recite it out loud together. Um, that'll come later. We'll, we'll end up doing that. Not today, but eventually. Because I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I'm going to just read, um, and we're going to be in verses 8 through 13. Verses 8 through 13 in First Chronicles 16. So let me read it. This is a song. It's a, it's a psalm. Also, it's in Psalm 105. You can, you can look at it there too. Uh, we're looking at it today in the context of this scripture because we want to see what's going on around when this song was penned and why that's so important. So let me read and then I'll pray for us and then we will jump in. It says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him and sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and seek his strength. Um, Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. Let's pray. Um, Father, we're just thankful this morning again that um, for us believers, you have brought us out of darkness into light, that we're new creations, that Jesus has covered us completely of our sin, and that it no longer matters how well we perform, um, but it only matters uh, that we believe and trust in you. And so God, I pray this morning as we, um, as we jump into a bunch of how-tos and how to do this and how to do that, that we would just keep at the forefront of our minds that you are enough and that you have um, loved us, that Christ has died for us, and that is where our right standing with you comes from, that we would trust in that and hope in that this morning, and that we would just worship you and thank you for it and because of it. Um, it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, has anybody ever seen Indiana Jones? It's so good. It's so good, isn't it? Um, especially the, um, the the one with the Ark. Uh, what's it called? The Raiders of the Lost Ark? No. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Fantastic. Love that movie. Um, just so good and um, I've always loved Indiana Jones my dad has like the box set of all of them Um, I even like the new one like the latest one so for you that don't like it well I do so ha Um, (laughs) it uh, Indiana Jones is always really awesome and the the story in Indiana Jones is always that they're he's like chasing after there's this awesome treasure at the end I think one time it's the Holy Grail and one time it's these stones, and one time it is actually the Ark of the Covenant, which we're going to be talking about a little bit this morning. Um, and he's, but he's always, Indiana Jones is always pursuing something that's treasured and precious. And he's always just, just chasing after some golden statue or some treasure or some whatever. And the text that we're looking at this morning is really, uh, it's kind of like the end of a really great Indiana Jones movie. Um, It's basically like the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, we won't go as far as to say that, but 
it is, it is, it's like they win. Like Indy wins in the end. He gets the treasure um, and everything's all nice. and good. Or actually, in some of them, he, does, he never gets the treasure. Like in one of them, he, he, they lose it. Are they always, do they always lose it? I don't even remember now. Anyway, this is kind of like, kind of like the end of a great Indiana Jones movie. Um, let me explain. <laughs> so back in First Chronicles 13, three chapters before this, um, David is the king of Israel, and he is, um, and he is realizing that the Ark of the Covenant isn't with the people of Israel. And so he sets out on this mission to conquest for the Ark, to defeat um, the Philistines who have it and get it back and bring it into the city of Jerusalem. And he, uh, he even says, let us bring again the ark of our God to us for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. We didn't seek it in the days of Saul. And if you've read any bit of the Old Testament, if you've read Samuel or Kings and you know in Saul's days, things weren't too hot for Israel. Uh, they didn't seek the ark in the days of Saul. So David decides he's going to go seek it. Um, and basically when we get to chapter 16, Israel has won and they are bringing the ark back into the city of Jerusalem and they're throwing this massive party. David gives these raisin cakes to everybody in the whole city and they're supposedly awesome because people are just celebrating and going nuts. Like literally the whole city is having a party because the ark of the covenant is coming back into the city of Jerusalem. Now, um, Hopefully you know more about the Ark of the Covenant from your Bible than you know about it from Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, but either way, um, you might be asking why is the Ark important? Why are they throwing this massive celebration for this golden box coming into the city? And I think the ESV Bible commentary puts it really well um, when it um, explains the Ark. It says this, The Ark was the visible sign of the holy presence of the Lord, whose real throne is on high above the heavens. So it was a visible sign of the holy presence of the Lord. And it goes on, it says, but it was more than just a sign. For the ark was also the focal point of God's actual presence among his people. It was the focal point of his actual presence among his people. So in the Old Testament, when we see the Ark of the Covenant, when the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant, they said, God is here. God's with us. When they saw the Ark, they saw God's presence. The Ark represents God's presence. More than that, it is God's presence. And so they're having this massive celebration. They've just brought the Ark in. God's presence has been return to the people of Israel and they're just throwing this huge party and that's where this song, our text today, starts getting sung. And so this morning, the, um, the sermon is titled Four Imperatives for Pursuing God. Just like David went and pursued the Ark of the Covenant that was God's presence, that he could reunite it with his people, we want to be a people here at Remini, that constantly seeks after and pursues God. The, the, um, in verse 11 of our text, I'm going to pull that out. Um, it says, seek the Lord and seek His strength. Seek His presence continually. And make that the, the theme and the overarching idea behind everything this morning. That's... That's the point and the purpose of First Chronicles 13 through 16. The, the, the overarching theme of this text, I didn't make it up, it's seek after God, seek after Him. And so this morning, um, we have four imperatives, four things that we can do, four tools that we can use to seek after, to pursue God more deeply. And hopefully these tools will help you in those four areas that we talked about um, a little bit earlier. And so here at Rimini, my desire for you is when you hear worship, when you hear the word worship, when you get encouraged to worship God, 
that you would equate that with seeking after his presence. That you would equate that with running after him. God is pleased when your heart wants to chase him. He's easy to be found, but he wants us to seek after him. He wants us to be a people that just love him so much that we want to just follow after him, run after him, and chase after him. That's the heart of the believer. So, we'll jump right in. First imperative. The first imperative for pursuing God, for seeking after God. It says it right there in verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. So our first imperative is to give thanks. At every moment that thanks is due, give thanks. When I was in college, um, I probably told this story like a hundred times to my friends and stuff. Um, <laughs> but when I was in college, I had this professor, and um, he was uh, one of my Bible professors. And he's always asking weird questions to make us think about stuff. And uh, in class, he wouldn't even like teach. He would just like put a question on the board, and we would argue about it the whole time. Um, and one day, we went out to lunch um, to just grab a bite to eat and me and some of my friends and he kind of came along with us and if you've been a Christian for any number of years or any amount of time you've probably had that moment where you sit down uh, with a couple of your Christian friends and you're about to eat and maybe maybe you got your food before them and so you're like um, and so you're like well maybe I should just pray for my food real quick and then and then start eating or maybe you're you're like well, am I going to pray or maybe I should just pray for our whole meal and, or maybe they'll pray and I don't know, maybe, should I volunteer? And you kind of have this weird moment where you're like, are we going to pray or are we not going to pray? Like, what's going like, to happen? <laughs> and you know that moment? Am I the only one? Yeah, okay, we get some head nods. So everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, so, so anyway, so we get to this moment and we start to bow our heads to pray. Somebody's like, yeah, I'll pray real quick. And um, our professor stops us, and he's like, wait a second, you guys pray before you eat? And we're like, what? You don't? You're a Bible professor. (laughs) And he was just like, in this totally Jedi way, he was like, pray continually. (laughs) And I was like, come on, man, whatever. So anyway, (laughs) the reason I tell that story is because uh, for like a year, for like a couple of years, until very recently, I just I was like, yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, I'm not gonna pray before I eat. I'm I'm just or I am, but I'm just gonna like I'm gonna start just praying continually. And I, like I totally get what he was saying, um, that he was trying to make a point to us that we should be praying continually. And it's kind of silly to just like stop in the middle of the day when I haven't been talking to God at all and just like God, thank you for my food, and then just mindlessly go back to eating. Um, when I didn't really even do anything right there. I get what you're saying. At the same time, I think that it's incredibly important for us to stop and give thanks at every moment that thanks is due. And it's, it's a fantastic place for us to start in worship. And I think it's why it's the first thing that this song says to do, to give thanks. Because um, I found myself just totally forgetting to pray for my food, like to just thank God for my food. Um, at, at every meal for the next like two years. <laughs> I just literally stopped thanking God for my food and I would be with, I'd be in that moment with, with Christian brothers and sisters and, and I'd just start eating and they'd be like, what are you doing, man? Are, are we going to pray? <laughs> and I'd be like, man, pray continually. <laughs> um, but I really wasn't. I just forgot. And so I think that if we are just get really intentional and, and the whole thing about praying for your food is really just because God provided that. He gave that to you. He really did. Like, you wouldn't have been able to get it without him. He sustained you and gave that to you. And so, the reason that historically Christians pray before they eat is because they're just thanking God because, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this one for you, God, so thanks. But there's tons of other moments in our day where we can thank God. Um, if, if the Bible says that God is the giver of every good gift, then everything good that we ever get is from God. Every last little thing that you uh, enjoy on this, on this planet that is a good, um, that's a good thing, 
I'm not talking about sin. <laughs> talking about good things. Um, every, every single one of those is a gift from God. And so at every moment that thanks is due, we should give thanks. We should be intentional about giving thanks. There's a couple reasons real quick that I think that it's important for us to give thanks. And then we'll move on. The first one is that when you give thanks, um, that's just the natural progression to like receiving a gift. Somebody gives you a gift, you say thank you. I mean, almost everybody in this room, if somebody, if I gave them something right now, or maybe not right now, but like after the service, I was just like, hey man, I got you this, I got you this gift card to Starbucks. Like, oh, thanks man. You just, that's just what you do. You just give thanks. And it's just easy for us to get, forget because um, God is not in the flesh with us right now. He's inside of us and he's all around us and he's sustaining everything. Just because we don't see him, a lot of times we forget to just thank him. So, um, so that's why it's important for us to just, whenever we see something good, just say, thanks God. I, I thank you. I appreciate it. It's awesome. I love you. The second thing is that giving thanks rightly honors the giver rather than the gift. And it correctly orients where our attention and praise are directed. Does that make sense? So when you, when you receive a gift and you say thank you, you're not thinking about the gift anymore. You're thinking about the person that gave it to you. And you're just thankful that they love you. And your attention and your praise, verbal and in your heart, is directed right at that person. It's not, oh man, this is so awesome. (laughs) Right? You, You say, oh, thanks. And my gaze goes from the gift. And the gift is good. But it takes my eyes off of the gift and it puts them on the giver. And so, um, especially in this context, man, what, what better way to orient our eyes towards God than to just say thank you and be thankful, to start off our worship with thanks. So just to ground this a little bit, um, just an in, in application for us this week to, to work on thankfulness because it's, it is easy to forget. Right now, let's write down five things pull out your iPhone or if you have a pen, write down five things that you can thank God for this week. I guarantee you can find five. There's a book about a lady who wrote like 10,000. Is it 10,000 or is it 1,000? Do you guys know this book? It's 1,000? Cool. Yeah, it's 1,000. It's pretty. But if you take on that, and I, I would challenge you to do that too. Start the 1,000, the what is it called? A gift of 1,000 thousand, thousand blessings? thousand gifts yeah that's a long list um but i guarantee you you could you could think of a thousand things so let's just do five though for right now this week five things that you can thank god for then right now pick a time every day um that you can stop and just thank god for those things pick a time for each day this week that you can stop and give thanks for those things and then just thank god as often as you think of them Whenever those things come up, whenever you see them, if they're your kids um, or the house, the roof over your head, if it's just the fact that you um, have been, you've, you've seen the light and God has changed you, if you just remember, oh, man, that's right, God saved me. Thank Him for that. Just as often as you think of it. Let's do that and see what happens this week with your worship, with your personal worship, with your family worship, with your community group worship. See what happens when you start to thank him before everything. So that's the first one. The second one is, um, first one was thank God. The second one is sing to God. It's very simple. This next one is sing to God. And you also notice that all of our points um, have exclamation points at the end of them because they're awesome. <laughs> and they're imperatives. They're like, we should do this because this is awesome. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, you'll notice that I put exclamation points on the end of them. And I think in a lot of the verses too, they also have exclamation points. So we should do these things like rejoicing and being like excited about it. So the second one is sing to God. Now before we jump into this section, uh, there's, there's, there's two points here. Um, this imperative and the next imperative start to move us from um, an inward experience of worship and start to talk about the outpouring of that experience. So, 
We're going to talk about singing. We're going to talk about some other forms of biblical, physical expression when we get into the next point. And we're not kicking the, you know, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're not going to neglect the the inner experience um, out of which this stuff should flow. But we are going to spend some time and just talk about singing, talk about um, some other forms of biblical, physical expression. And I think it's important for us to pursue those things, and we'll get into that, why I think that, in, in a little bit. Um, but in this section, sing to God. Sing to God. That's verse 9. It says it twice. Sing to Him, sing praises to Him. And then it says to tell of all His wondrous works, which is also something that you do with your mouth. Maybe we can imply that He's, that he's saying to sing there too, because we're in a song, and He just said sing twice. Maybe. <laughs> but hopefully this morning, after we get done with this imperative, um, this command that, that is in the Bible, that you will have no doubt in your mind that you were created to sing to God and that you were called to sing to God. The Bible is exploding with scriptures telling us to sing to God. And the way that I'm going to try and prove this to you I think I'll do a pretty good job of proving this to you, is that we're just going to read some scriptures. I'm not going to give you any kind of, like, my thoughts on the matter. We're just going to read exactly what the Bible says about singing. The first place in the Bible that it ever says that somebody sings is right after the Red Sea. God brings uh, Moses um, and the people of Israel out of slavery. He brings them across the Red Sea crazy, crazy awesome miracle. They get to the other side. The first thing they do when they get to the other side is just start singing this worship song. It's called the Song of Moses. It's in Exodus 15. You can look it up. And I guess Moses just like started making it up as he went cause, like based on what had just happened because it literally says they got to the other side and then they just started singing this song. And it's everything about how God rescued them, how God um, brought them out from from Egypt um, to make them a free people. And what's so cool about Exodus 15, the first song in the Bible that is sung, that is recorded, that is sung, when we go all the way to the end of the Bible, in Revelation, when John gets to see um, the worship of heaven, you know what song they're singing when he walks in on the worship of heaven? It's the song of Moses. So first song in the Bible when God rescued Israel, they're singing the song of Moses. Thank you, God. You are victorious. You have rescued us. That's the basic idea of that song. And then at the very end of all things, when we are in heaven, reunited with God, when we're worshiping Him, we're going to be singing the same song, the song of Moses. So if that's not enough to convince you, we'll look a little more towards the middle of the Bible and see some more scriptures. Um, of why we should sing to God. Psalm 104, 33 says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. So that verse right there, if we just stuck with that one, there's no way that you can get out of singing. Because you're alive right now. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. You're alive right now. And we know as believers, when you die... You're not going to be dead forever. God's going to raise you up. And, and even Jesus said to the, to the man on the cross next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. So, so as a believer, you're living forever. Like, you don't get out of living. Like, which is kind of cool when you think about it. But this verse right here is saying that as long as I have being, as long as I'm alive, I'll sing. So... Just get used to it, because the rest of eternity, you're going to be singing, at least some of the time. Not the whole time, but you will be singing for the rest of forever. So we might as well get some practice in. Cool? So, uh, then, so that's in Psalm, in the Psalms. Uh, another one in the Psalms, 147.1, says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. So with that one, you get to have your cake and eat it too. Like, singing is fun, and it's what we're supposed to do. 
That's what that verse just said. It's good. Singing is good. It's pleasant. It's pleasant to sing. And it's appropriate. So you get to have your cake and eat it too. That's fantastic. Um, it's fun and it's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so, and that's in, the, that's in the Psalms as well. Psalm 147, 1. Psalm 147, 7. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. There's our thanksgiving theme again, right? Um, and then Psalm 149, 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. So that's telling us when the godly assemble, that's you guys and me and Fudd and Jack and everybody in here right now. The assembly of the godly, when we get together, we're supposed to sing to them. Uh, if that isn't enough, the, the book of Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible and it's a book of songs. So think about that. We, we confirmed that it was the biggest book of the Bible in the last service. I didn't actually firmly know that and then I asked a couple of people and they're like, yeah, it is, it is. So we're good. Is, and I think I saw some heads nodding back there. Yep, it is. So if, that's, if all of that isn't enough, um, there's two passages in the New Testament that explicitly tell us to sing songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in thankfulness. So it's not just an Old Testament thing. It's a whole Bible thing. And I just, on a lot of these, I just like picked them. I just was like went to my Bible and just flipped until I saw one about singing. And then I flipped another one. There's tons more that tell us to sing. And so if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, well, I don't really sing. I'm not really a singer. Um, can I just challenge you that the Bible, the Bible tells you that it doesn't say, if you're a singer, sing to the Lord. If you're great at singing, sing to the Lord. It just says sing to Him. And so I would challenge you this morning to, to already begin to start. If you don't sing, just begin to move your lips. Just make some level of noise come. Even if it's a whisper, I don't care. Like just some, something. Just start. If you already sing and you like singing, just sing a little bit louder. Sing a little bit louder. Um, yeah, just, just, give it a, just give it a try. Give it, give it a go. You were created to do it. God calls you to do it. He loves it when you do it. He loves it when you sing to Him. It doesn't matter how good you sing. God, God is just so enamored that we would sing love songs to Him. He really is. That we would just sing to Him and thank Him and love on Him. He loves that. He loves that from you. So, sing to Him. Cool? So the next, uh, so that's sing to Him and thank Him. Sing to Him. The next one is glory in Him. Glory in the Lord. Glory in His name. And that's in verse 10. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Glory in His holy name. Most of the time when we talk about glory, glorying, um, in our context, we use, it as a, we use it as a noun. We use the word glory as a noun more than we do as a verb. Here it's used as a verb, to glory. And so me and Fudd uh, were in the office this week, and we looked up what the original Hebrew meaning of that word to glory means. And basically we found out that it means, excuse me, um, it means to boast in something and love something and um, be just so enamored with something, that you constantly talk about it, that your actions uh, reflect it, that you constantly just, it just gushes out of you. It's, it's like boasting in something almost to an annoying extent. <laughs> like um, a good example of this would be uh, like that one uh, Carolina fan that everybody knows. You know? Come on, we know, you know. <laughs> the guy who's always like, yeah, USC. USC is so good. Love USC. They're so great. They dress up their kids in that awful burgundy color. Um, you know what I'm talking about? And sorry for you USC fans, but I'm just picking on you. Uh, they, they, they know all the stats. They know the history. Um, they just like constantly talk about how awesome Spurrier is and like 
how they're just going to whip up on Clemson and blah, 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 blah. Um, and they have uh, a giant um, USC sticker on the front hood of their car. And um, this sounds a lot like FUD, <laughs> our pastor. <laughs> but he's not here this morning, so I can make fun of him. Um, no, <laughs> he knows I was going to say that. But... Um, Seriously, though, Fudd was at, um, he told me this story the other day. He was at, uh, the reason he's not here this weekend is because he went to Alabama. And on the way there, he stopped at um, the, uh, the, the Chick-fil-A in Clemson, right on Clemson Boulevard. And in pure Fudd fashion, he was like wearing full USC garb, probably planned because he knew they were going to stop at a Clemson and Chick-fil-A, or Chick-fil-A in Clemson. And he said they got in and there's like just all this orange everywhere. And he said, he was telling me, he was like, I was so close to standing up in the middle of the Chick-fil-A and just going five in a row. Everybody, I'd just like to let you know, five in a row. It's been five, five times in a row. Just wanted to say that, five in a row. Um, You know, because USC has won five times in a row against Clemson. And luckily, uh, Christy backed him down off the ledge, and he didn't actually do that. Um, (laughs) So you still have a pastor. He has not been lynched by Clemson fans. Um, <laughs> but that's the idea of glorying. That's it. Like right there. Like just like, I love this. I, this is so awesome. I'm going to tell everybody about this. Um, man, it's just so great. And it's not, glorying in something is not like insincere. Right? It's not fake. You really do love USC. So you really are talking about it. And really are. Uh, my friend Sam back there is a massive NASCAR fan. And so he's been talking about it. We went to a NASCAR race last night. It was awesome. He converted me. I like NASCAR now. It's fantastic. We were glorying in some NASCAR last night. It was really great. Um, that's the idea of glorying. That you're just so... It's not insincere. It's not... Um, it's, it's genuine. What's coming out of you is actually, you actually love it in your heart too. And w- when we're talking about glorying in something, the lines start to get blurred between what's going on in your heart and what's coming out of you. There's not a clear, decisive, like, there's not a clear way to see, you know, oh, glorying is all, the, all inside, it's all this man, yeah, that's just so awesome. And, but nothing ever comes out. It, it clearly just flows out of you. This is like that uh, verse that says, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? This is that overflowing idea. And so I think there's a clear implication when it says to glory in the name of God that our actions would display what's going on in our hearts. That when we worship God, our actions um, are what we, what we literally do with our bodies like is affected by what's going on in our heart, by what God has done for us. And I think it's really important that we begin to pursue as a church, as a body, in personal worship, in um, family, in community group, and in corporate worship, that we would begin to pursue um, some, some ways in which we can start expressing what I know is going on in your hearts during worship. I, I get a lot of comments all the time. Jordan, this morning, um, God, God really just was speaking to me um, in the worship and in the sermon, and um, I was just really thankful for it. And I had no idea. Because <laughs> you know, a lot of times I just see this, which is totally okay. I know that stuff is going on in your hearts because you come and tell me later. Um, But I think that there's just so much to be gained from us actually starting to let that flow out of us and let other people see it. And um, and there's a couple reasons why I think this is important. This is not just like my personal preference. I think that we should be more expressive in worship because I want to have a church where everybody raises their hands. This is not that. Um, there's There's some really powerful biblical implications for why we should 
pursue this. And it starts, I think it starts with the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment in the Bible. Love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. That's what it says. Man, it would have been so much easier for us <laughs> if they had left off strength. You know? Because then I could just deal with it all in here and in here, and I wouldn't have to work or fight or pursue to show it. Um, Bob Coughlin is a worship leader. He wrote the uh, kind of the manual on leading worship. And he says this. This is, this is just really good. It says, The worship of God was never meant to be mere intellectual engagement with biblical truths, nor is it limited to an inner emotional response. God created our bodies to glorify Him. Right? This is 1 Corinthians 6, verses, verse 20. Um, it says to honor, uh, honor God with your bodies. Right? And there's, there's some other implications of that verse too, but honor, God created our bodies to glorify Him. These physical bodies he created to worship him to glorify him he says this we aren't pursuing a gnostic spirituality that downplays or negates the importance of the body in true spirituality right this is romans 12:1 offer your bodies as living sacrifices to god right he says this god commands us to love him with all our heart soul mind and strength that certainly includes the bodies he's given us. And so we can't, we can't say, yeah, I'm going to worship God with my body by going and serving people and, and loving on people and helping, like using my body for his glory over there. And then when we get into worship, corporate worship, where we're singing specifically to God and then say, oh yeah, I don't have to use my body here. I can just get it all, I can deal with it all right here in my head and my heart, in my soul and my spirit. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about doing that here and I just think that's a little bit you know I'm going to do it over there I'm not going to do it over here um, I mentioned the word Gnostic in here too um, Gnostics were um, were people that believed that um, everything that's spirit is good and everything that is physical is bad and they were doing a really um, uh they were really hurting the church in, in the early days of the church because that, that actually sounds kind of like Christianity when on the surface. It sounds a little bit like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm not supposed to love the world. I'm just supposed to love uh, God and in spirit and all this stuff. Um, but there's some really dangerous implications of being a Gnostic. And um, we, we as Christians are not Gnostics. We don't believe that the cr- that creation is bad. We believe that creation is bad is good, that it is, that it is for God, is to be used for God's glory, right? And so if, if these bodies he's given us, yes, uh, creation has fallen, but it was intended for good, and our jobs as Christians are to be reconcilers of it, right? That we would, that we would redeem it. And so, um, so with that, that includes, that includes these physical bodies. Even, even Jesus um, even Jesus, Jesus' resurrection is proof that we're not Gnostics. Jesus' physical body raised from the dead and ascended onto heaven, giving us the hope that one day when we die, he's going to raise us too. Heaven is not, you're not this little spirit person in heaven or this little cloud thing. You got a bo- you're going to have a body in heaven. It'll be nicer than this one that you have right now. But you're going to have a body in heaven, and you're going to worship God with it in heaven. Um, you're going to be you're going to be flesh in heaven as well. You're, you're, so we should we should start practicing worshiping God in wholeness, if we if that's what we already are. Um, so glory, glory, glory in the Lord. And, and so that's the first reason I think because we should we should worship God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The greatest commandment commands it, so we should do it. There's one other reason, um, and then we'll move on. And that is, I think, the second greatest commandment. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And for us as a church, I think there can be so many blessings and so many benefits for us 
if we decide to start expressing um, what's going in on our hearts here in corporate worship um, with biblical physical expression, with postures that the Bible gives us on how to posture our bodies in worship. And the reason that I think this is important um, and for the second greatest commandment is because what happens when we come here on Sunday morning and say I'm going through something really hard, some other believers in the room know what's going on, and maybe we're singing a song about how I need to trust God more deeply. So maybe, maybe I'm just like singing really like intensely to God and just raising my hands and like worshiping to that song. Those other people that know what's going on in my life, if they see that, they're going to be like, man, I, I know what's going on in Jordan's life. I know what's going on. Yeah, that's, that's true, God. You're right. He, yeah, he's just really loving on you and worshiping you in this moment. And yeah, you, you are, I, I can trust you. I believe that too. Yeah, I, I want to worship you too, God. Now, I'm not saying that, that we always know what's going on in other people's hearts. But, and God, you know, God sees the heart and he looks at the heart. Um, but there's so much to be gained from, for our unity, for our mutual encouragement. Um, there might be somebody that needs the encouragement of you singing and you lifting your hands and you clapping and you thanking God out loud. Somebody might need that encouragement from you. Um, and so what does it start to look like when we all are, are free and okay? I'm not talking about disorderly worship and going crazy and jumping off the walls. I'm, I'm just talking about when we're free to express what's going on in our hearts, our love for God, and other people see it and can be encouraged. And what happens when we're all doing that? It can be really powerful. Um, yeah, it can be really powerful. And then, and lastly, you might just be you might just be wondering, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to, you know, worship God with my body. How how do I do that in worship? There, there's tons and tons and tons of scriptures, and I wish we had time to get to all of them today about um, about different postures that the Bible outlines for us to take in worship. I'm just going to briefly touch on one of them. Um, that is. One of the, one of the more numerous times it says to do this, and um, and that's raising your hands. Um, there's we didn't as Christians just make this up. <laughs> we didn't make up raising your hands in worship. That's that's a real thing in the Bible. Um, if you've never read it before, it's there. It's in First Timothy in the New Testament, um, and we can we can raise our hands for all kinds of different things, um, and just. For practice, this is how you do it. You just put them up. Like if somebody's pointing a gun at you. Stick them up. Uh, and you can do all kinds of, you know, you can do the, you can do this, or you can do that, or you can do one hand. You can do, you can do all kinds of different things. And there's lots of different reasons for, for, for why you can or should as well. Um, it's easy. Let's all, let's all try it real quick first, just so you can do it. Everybody, everybody, believe in you. Nice. See? You have the physical ability to lift up your hands. Ha! I knew it. Um, so, so anyway, so there's, there's, there's a few different um, w- reasons that you, you lift up your hands. One of them is prayer. First Timothy 2.8 I desired then that in every place men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. So to pray, you can lift up your hands. When you're, when you're praying, you can lift your hands up. Um, in Psalm 134 too, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. You can bless the Lord literally just by raising your hands. Just putting your hands in the air. You don't even have to sing or move or do anything. You can literally bless the Lord by just raising your hands. I bless you, Lord. For repentance, you can raise your hands. For surrender, in Lamentations 3.41, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. And all around that passage in Lamentations is a, a repentant heart of people that say, God, I surrender. I, I need to repent. You can raise your hands in surrender. You can raise your hands in repentance. Um, 
and then and then lastly just just to just to touch on one or two more ways that you can physically express uh, you can clap clapping's in the Bible it's better when everybody does it it's better when everybody does it yeah you can also shout uh, it's in the, there's there's the clap your hands all people shout to God with loud songs of joy you can sing loud songs it's okay you know within a reasonable decibel range of course as not to damage your ears <laughs> no it doesn't say that in there um, yeah and that's for like celebrating you can clap to celebrate and you can shout to God and thank him um, um, and, and let me encourage you with this a lot of times for me uh, this yeah, this is kind of weird and I don't like to do it and I could like I could sing all day behind that mic and never move a muscle and be totally okay um, this is an area for me that I, that I get a little nervous around. And a lot of times I feel like I don't want to be insincere, right? Like this isn't going on in my, like I don't, I'm not really feeling worship today or like I know that I'm supposed to trust in God and, and love in Him, but, but, but I'm just not really feeling it today. I, I don't raise my hands because I don't want to be, you know, insincere and just do it because, you know, that's what everybody else is doing or that it's worship I'm supposed to let me just encourage you with this. And I think Fudd and Ben have both encouraged us with this before. Um, um, worship is a spiritual discipline. And sometimes it requires us to just discipline ourselves to, to do things. And sometimes our hearts and our heads can be stubborn. And so sometimes all it takes, and, and believe me, your, your heart and your head are connected to your body. And sometimes all it takes is... Um, you saying, God, I'm just going to be obedient because the Bible commands me to lift my hands and surrender. I need to surrender right now, so I need to lift my hands. I know that I need to, but I don't want to, or I don't feel it in my heart, so I'm just going to raise my hands and surrender anyway. Try that. and See what happens when you start to posture yourself and position yourself. See where your heart will follow. Some really awesome moments of worship I've had. Um, have come because at first I was like, no, I'm not, I'm good, I'm good. And then, and then God was kind of like, just do it, just, just put your hands up. Just put your hands up, just do it. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> and then I'm just caught up and just thankful and, and just loving on God. So just, just try it, I would encourage you, just, just try it. Sometimes you need to posture yourself in a way that responds to what is going on in your heart. Maybe you do need to surrender and you need to kneel. This makes me feel really vulnerable when I open up my arms like this. Like I just feel really vulnerable when I do that. Like somebody could just like cut off my arm or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like you feel very, maybe you need to just receive something from God, you know. I promise your spirit and your body are connected and, and the, what you do with one influences the other. And so let me just encourage everyone with singing, with glorying. We'll get on to this last point. I don't know what time it is. Um, let me ask just a question. What ways does the Bible describe physical expression that I've never done? Maybe you don't know all of them. Maybe you just haven't looked at any of them before. But what, which ways does the Bible describe physical expression that I've never done? What's going on in my heart with that? Why is that? And then let me just challenge you. This is, this is possibly the only sermon that you'll ever get a chance to, like immediately when the sermon is over, apply it. <laughs> like there's not going to be a second from when the sermon is over to where you can't start applying this sermon. So let me just encourage you. Um, in about, I don't know, five minutes, I've got one more point. We'll be able to try some of these things. And so I would just encourage you, just, just as, out of obedience, sing loud. Just try, just try something. Um, it's, o- it's okay. And God is pleased with that. And, and let's continue and continue to seek it. You may see me in future weeks um, encourage you to, um, hey, lift up your hands this morning if you're, you know, 
if you need to surrender, you know, you may hear me start to urge you to do some different things. You've already seen, I, we've already started saying, hey, let's give the Lord a hand this morning for what he's done for us. You know, so you're going to see some more of that coming. Um, and I, I think it's really healthy for us to do. All right, lastly, lastly, I know I've been talking forever. I'm very sorry. I always bug FUD. I'm always like, man, you went like an hour five today. That's pretty long, FUD. <laughs> and he's like, man, I know, I know. It's okay. And here I am. I'm probably at like an hour five. So anyway, I can't make fun of him anymore. Um, the last one is just uh, the, the fourth imperative. Um, we had thank God. We had um, sing to God. We had glory in his name. And then the fourth one is remember the works that he has done. Remember the works that he has done. I feel like almost every week uh, for the call to worship, I'm saying like, hey, this morning I just wanted to remind us of what God's done for us because I just know I forget all the time. And what a better way to end in worship than to say, have the command, remember. Remember what God's done for you. When you go from this place, remember what he's done for you. Remember. And when you remember, the cool thing about remembering is the whole cycle just starts right over. You remember and then, oh, thanks God. I remembered. Thanks for what you've done for me. And then all that stuff just flows through and then you remember again. There's this really cool story in the Bible um, in First Chronicles, Second Chronicles 20. And Jehoshaphat is the king of Israel, and he is um, realizing that there are these three armies that are just coming to wipe out Judah. Um, they're going to just level Jerusalem. And um, so God speaks to them, and he says some really cool things. He says, Do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. So God says this to the people of Israel through a prophet. And then Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah just start worshiping. They just start singing songs to God. They have this little worship set the night before the battle. And then the next morning they get up and they go to, out to, the, to where the battle is about to take place. God tells them where the armies are. So they march out. And just before they start, they, they come up over the hill and go down in to fight the enemy. They stop. And they start singing to God again. They stop everything, the whole army, and they, they start having this worship set again before they go into this battle. And they sing this, Give thanks to the Lord, for His steadfast love endures forever. And this is like one of the coolest things I've ever read in the Bible. It says, And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the man of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Those are the armies. So that they were routed. They didn't have to lift a finger. As soon as they started singing, God wiped out the entire army that was coming to destroy them. God won the entire victory, and Israel didn't have to do anything. All they did was worship. All they did was lift him up in praise. And then they get done singing and they walk up over the hill and the whole army is just like flattened. This army that they could have never hoped to defeat. They would have never won. They would have been completely destroyed. And they walk up over this hill and it's already done for them. It's already done for them. And today, we need to remember that Jesus has done the same 
thing for us. He's done the same thing for us. There was an, a force that was way stronger than us. Sin was way stronger than we were. Sin is way stronger than we were. The, the devil is so much stronger than we are. But Jesus, he doesn't call us to fight that battle. He fought that battle. And he won. And now the only thing that is left for us to do as people, the only thing that is left for us to do is thank him and worship him. That's all that's left in this life, which is awesome. You don't have to fight anymore. You just have to praise. If you need to be rescued, all you have to do is praise. If you need to be healed, all you have to do is sing and praise and thank him. You don't have to lift a finger against the enemy. He's already done it. Your whole sanctification is now just, God, I just want to run after you and I'm just so thankful for what you've done and I'm just so happy that you, that you won the battle. And so, right now, we have some time to do that. To remember what Christ did for you. If if you're, not, if you're here and you're not a believer today, that's available for you. The, the very end of this verse says, O offspring of Israel, his servant, son of Jacob, his chosen ones. God sought after all of us first. And if you're not a believer this morning, he is seeking after you right now. He's right behind you and all you have to do is turn around and say, God, I want to trust you. He sought us first. So let's seek him now. We have some time to just seek after him, to worship him, to praise him. And so I'd invite you guys to just worship this morning. Just worship him this morning. Let's pray. Oh God, we're, we are just so thankful for what Christ has done. Um, that, he would, that he would take um, all of our sins. That he would love us so, so, so so deeply and that now all there is left for us to do is praise and worship you and just be thankful that we've been rescued and just be thankful that we've been saved and just tell people how awesome you are and just proclaim how good you are and just pray that we would do that now that you would help us in these things um and that we would know that you are pleased with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.